0: You don't have to be alone. You know, suffering in silence is is just not a good thing. There is hope. There is always hope. Change is possible. This episode of the Unstoppable
1: CEO podcast is sponsored by our referable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20 minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. Today, we've got an excellent interview for you. I am talking with Manuel Astruct. He is a board-certified psychiatrist with over 20 years of experience and 50,000 hours serving clients face-to-face. He's done his homework. And he works in his private practice and in the addictions field as the medical director of Saratoga County Alcohol and Substance Abuse Services. And he also works with entrepreneurs who are facing burnout and who are really getting to a point where they, they realize that something's got to change in their business. And that is particularly the conversation that we're going to have today. So I am very excited to have this uh, because I hear more and more from people that um, after what we went through last year in 2020, a lot of folks are facing burnout and uh, are feeling it right now. And so uh, Manuel, thanks for being here. This is going to be a good conversation. I think really good for the listeners.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me here.
1: Yeah, so give everybody a little bit of background um, on, you know, how how you kind of got to the stage of your career and how you ended
0: up working with entrepreneurs. So this is where I'm going to like start off by I'm a psychiatrist and I'm taking off my psychiatry hat and I'm putting on my coaching hat. And the reason is uh, when I'm speaking as a psychiatrist, we don't tend to do much self-disclosure with very good professional reasons for that. Um, but my story includes some personal details like burnout and addiction, uh, alcoholism, uh, depression in the past. Uh, and when I'm coaching, that's incredibly relevant to the people that I work with. So with my coaching hat, my story really starts about 12 years ago. It was September 2008. And I was in a dark room. I was completely burnt out. And I was looking at a picture of my twin sister, Magdalena. In that picture, she's beaming, she's smiling, and you can't even tell that she's wearing a wig. She was going through chemotherapy at the time that picture was taken. And in August, the month before, August 2008, she passed away after three years of fighting a a brain cancer. In that moment, very striking for me was that I was absolutely miserable, even though I had a successful private practice and I was healthy. And uh, Magdalena, while she was sick, she had just been, you know, full of love and life and grace. And you would ask her, like, you know, how are you doing with what's going on? And she'd say, you know, it's not so bad. Um, I'm home with my kids all the time. I always wanted to be home with the kids. My family visits me. And she just really showed me how to live um, while she was going through uh, her her illness. And On that day, uh, it it was a moment of truth, a line in the sand. I decided that no matter what, I was going to start to enjoy the ride going forward in my life. And as a result of that, I started making just a lot of changes um, inside myself and with how I thought about things. Uh, And that's what's led me down to, to, to where I am today.
1: Wow. So, uh, first, I'm very sorry for the loss of your sister. And, and I, I can't imagine sort of sitting there and having that realization. I mean, it had to be a real wake up call.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was so miserable and, I think that at this point in my life, I probably have more conversations with my sister than I did when she was alive. Like I'm constantly, she's with me all the time. I think she's the one that kind of kicked me in the head and said, wake up, buddy. <laughs> like, you know, you got to do something different.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think we need that sometimes. I mean, for those of us who have decided to to step out and uh, sort of be abnormal and, and go and build a business, it can very quickly become all-consuming. And, you know, and, and at stages, it almost needs to be because you're, you're creating this thing out of nothing. Um, and it takes a great deal of energy and, and focus and effort. But I, I think sometimes that becomes addictive. I, I think we start to attach our identity to that. And we, we don't turn around and sort of stop and look and say, okay, well, I've got this thing kind of running now. I can I can now exist as a full human being, not just this machine that's building a business. Do you see that a lot with the people you work with?
0: Well, I see it with myself personally. I see it with um, people that I work with all the time. You know, the the path to becoming a doctor and then a psychiatrist was a a path that was very well-worn, and the requirements were basically that you work hard. Like, you you didn't have to be a rocket science. The the material that's presented to you, there's a, you know, incredible amount of material that you have to be learning and digesting and spitting back out. Um, In college, you just work hard to do well to get into med school. And in med school, you work hard to digest material and spit it out. And then in your residency, you're working hard. And for myself and for entrepreneurs, that's a gear that's really easy for us to find, isn't it? And, and there's a cost to it at some point. So, so you can ride that for a while and you get successful, but the other side of success is that, you know, the rest of your life can be, uh, not tended to. Um, and that's where for me, there were problems with alcoholism early on and, you know, then depression. And and I dealt with all of those things very much by, without a community of peers. Uh, I got treatment, I got help and I got support from outside areas, but, um, it wasn't something that i talked about in 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 you know rounds with my peers it gets very lonely
1: yeah i can i can imagine so as you're working with entrepreneurs now and you're and you're coaching them what are some of the the key things that that you're working on with them to sort of begin to get control of the business
0: you know, it, it really ultimately starts with, you know, a, a vision of what someone wants. You got to decide what you want and what direction we're heading in before we can make change. So that long-term vision is important. And one of the things that I discovered as I got better was that there were a couple of key components for stringing together and putting happiness into your life. Like we don't learn to put happiness in our life. We learn money. We learn, you know, status, we learn, you know, freedom, but how do we define happiness? How do you start to look at that? And for me, you know, first there's gotta be an intentional choice that that's possible. So, so you choose that that's an on-ramp that, that you're aiming for. Next is, Energy. Like before we can really deal with being happy, you've got to have enough energy to be able to, you know, get your basic needs met and have a little gas in the tank left for the end of the day. So that's really taking care of mind, body and spirit. So move more. Make sure that you're sleeping. Make sure that your nutrition's dialed in. A gratitude practice is is always helpful. Mindsets to keep you out of negativity and to put blinders up, and you know, getting out of toxic environments. So, you know, we can work on energy pretty quickly and get an, uh, practices going to, to help people with that. And then there's four pillars that I look at with folks. First is that, you know, we are never finished products. Learning and growing is is part of happiness. Second is connection. There is so much data that supports for us That, you know, the quality of our lives, our happiness and our health as we age is connected to the quality of our relationships and the tribe that we're in. So we got to focus on that. And oftentimes when we're working really hard, those things suffer. Third, blazing your own trail. Like for me, you know, the trail that I initially chose was like blazed for me. There was no intentionality around that. There was no idea of like, you know, what choices am I making? What are my unique abilities? What am I particularly interested in? But if you start to look at who you are, what you're good at, and, and you know, your your own trajectory for that vision, you blaze your own trail. And then lastly is that commitment to enjoy the ride no matter what. And much of that is really about mindset, the fact that we are able to choose a mindset where we are enjoying things and that we can focus on, you know, the, the good things that are happening, the progress that we're making, rather than the human tendency to focus on, you know, what's still missing. You know, I'll be happy when. Uh, enjoying the ride is about, you know, the journey and, and not the destination.
1: You know, in a, in a lot of ways, that's it's almost a daily decision, isn't it? To to choose that I'm gonna be happy
0: with where I'm at right now. It, it's a hundred percent right. You know, it's very intentional. Um, and the default mode is that we're kind of sleepwalking through life, you know, getting through our day. And at the end of the day, you know, we we sink into, you know, a couch and we either drink or we like veg out on, on Netflix or other things. And, you know, our basic needs are met, but we're not feeding any of those intellectual capabilities and curiosities, and we're not feeding our soul. We're just kind of numbing out.
1: You know, what What do you think drives people to kind of head in that direction? This has always been really interesting to me. And, and I, this, I don't want this to come off as if I've got this figured out because I don't. Uh, far from it. But at some point, I figured out that I had the ability to choose whether or not I was going to be happy when I woke up in the morning. And I don't know why I figured that out or how I figured it out. At some point, I just came to that realization. And and so most days I wake up and I'm I'm in a pretty good mood and I'm happy and I'm excited. I I know that not everybody runs into that. You know, that I know that most people don't start their day that way. And I've had conversations with colleagues who've been struggling with things. It's been really difficult for me to, to kind of communicate with them um, my experience of it in a way that actually helps them get to that place. So as you're working with people, how do you get them to realize that, Hey, you actually do have this power. You have the power to choose. And, and I, it's like the biggest hurdle is just knowing that you have it, you know?
0: Yeah. So that, that power to choose is, is a paradigm shift. It's a hard one for people. The, the mindset that we are taught is to measure who we are and our identity, you know, based on the accomplishments in the bank account and the bank accounts and the fact that we can look around and see people who are doing better, like those comparisons. And, you know, we end up chasing after things to make us happy that are incapable of producing that for us because it's really that inside job. When you made that decision, when you somehow discovered that, you know, you unlocked one of the secret doors that we really do have that ability to, to commit to enjoy the ride no matter what. So how do you,
1: how do you convince somebody? Cause I, I've talked with people who have been really struggling and suffering, you know, they've been going through difficult times in their business and they just some, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of one good friend in particular, who was just in a place where, you know, no matter what you said, you couldn't pull him out of it. He couldn't pull himself out of it. So how, how do you get somebody who's in that place to begin to take the steps towards believing
0: I mean, I don't know that you can, someone who's not quite there. Um, you know, the, the paradigm shifts and that that happen, there's, there's a couple of ways for us to learn, right? We can learn from someone else's experience um, and, and catch that lesson because, you know, someone else has unlocked that door. And like, if they did it, I can do it. Um, and sometimes it's the gift of pain and desperation that, that has us like with our fair, hair on fire looking for a way out. And sometimes we're just wallowing in the muck and we're not quite ready for for either one of those things. And for those people who are not quite ready, I don't think that there's any words of wisdom that are going to get them there. So I think before I had that realization on that particular day, if someone had come up to me and said, you know, Manuel, like, look at this, like you're healthy and your practice is going and, you know, there's just another way of thinking about it. I would have given them like 10 different excuses, a hundred different excuses. Every good thing they could list, I could give them an excuse for why that didn't apply to me, right? I was terminally unique um, in that there was no way that I could be happy uh, because of all the problems that I had. Um, And then in the course of an instant, you know, there's a paradigm shift and I don't know what happens, but it's usually a matter of you know, the gift of desperation and pain, um, that, that will cause that enlightenment.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I hate to see people going through that. I always want to solve that problem, but I, I also see the value and I hate to say suffering to, you know, suffering yourself happy, but
0: that's almost what
1: has to happen.
0: I mean, this is a, a story in, uh, in AA, you know, I, I went to AA for years but there'd be the, the person who would come in, you know, to the AA room and we're trying to help each other and, you know, don't drink and go to meetings and stuff. And somebody would be like, you know, my wife and my boss and my problems, I'm, I just want to go drink. I just want to go drink. I, I got to go drink. And people would be like trying to save them like, you know, no, no, don't, don't go drink. And finally, you know, after this tug of war, I want to drink. No, don't. Someone would say, you know, well, why don't you go ahead and drink and come back when you're ready not to drink? It's really getting out of the struggle. And when someone's ready, you know, the teachers will be there. And all that we can do oftentimes, rather than trying to to save, is to to really live that life um, and and be the the beacon, be the, the signal that there's another way to live. And. Part of what I do with coaching, I mean, there's a there's a filter that people have to pass in terms of are you going to be coachable around this or are we going to be in a struggle? Because I don't need another struggle. You know, I have my patients and, and they come with me with very difficult problems and, and, you know, not functioning well. And that's a different relationship. In my coaching, I want people who are coachable and ready. And, you know, I'll roll up my sleeves and work as hard as they will. But if they want someone to, to do the work while they're complaining... Uh, making excuses, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah. There's, you almost, uh, well, not almost, you do have to do the work yourself. I can't do your pushups for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I could figure that out. I was having that conversation <laughs> with my trainer yesterday. She didn't let me off the hook. Um so, you know, we, we've been through this in this last 12 months. I mean, it's been a pressure cooker for business owners. People have lost their businesses. Um, others have, you know, have, have had a tough time and others have, have had, you know, the opposite situation where things are booming, but they're having trouble keeping up. And I think that combined with all that's going on in the world, um, uh, adds another layer of, of stress. Are you seeing anything in particular with the folks that you're working with right now that, you know, that, that they're having to, to really focus on to, to move things forward, given our
0: current challenges. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been a grind, and this winter's been, you know, when things started. I remember back in um, mid March, March 12th was the last time that we had patients in our offices. We went all virtual. Actually, it was on March 12th that we went all virtual. And now we probably have less than five people a week coming through here who really need to be coming through. Everything else is online. But I don't think back in March last year that people were thinking that this was going to still be going on at this point. There was really no sense of that. And especially with the winter and the the days get darker and gloomier and people are tired. They're just absolutely tired and they're ready to, to hug and shake hands and hang out again. And we still got some time in front of us. The things that I focus on And this is a message that I I bring wherever I can, you know, from everything that I've learned, three big things for us to remember and to share with others when they need it. You know, number one is, you know, you don't have to be alone. You know, suffering in silence is, is just not a good thing. And, you know, you don't have to be alone. There is hope. There is always hope. And then the last is like, change is possible. So when people are going through hard times, you know, those, those are the big three pieces to help support folks. I wanna kind of take those one at a time. So uh, this idea
1: of, you know, not being alone. You know, I can remember going through the economic collapse in 08, 09 and it hit my first business pretty hard. And not only that, at the same time, I was going through a personal challenge. And my very first reaction was to withdraw course, you know, and I am I am so grateful. I had a couple of friends who would not let me do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were a couple of other business owners who just wouldn't let me do it. And it, were, it was those connections that got me through. And and the thing that I've learned through all of that, you know, because now I, I, I came through that and I've helped other people, uh, other business owners who have gone through similar things. And the thing that I've learned is that if you're in this game long enough, you're going to have some calamity happen. It's whether it's personal or business or, you know, something is going to come about. You know, I've had friends who own businesses who had uh, an employee who, you know, was killed on the job, which destroyed the business owner. I mean, not financially, just personally, you know, emotionally destroyed them. You know, you're going to have the ups and downs of the economic cycle. Who knows what can happen? But the very worst thing you can do, I think, is get isolated. To me, that's a that's a huge key Talk a little bit about this idea of of hope. I mean, how do you take somebody who's feeling this and really
0: show them that that there is hope? I, I think that, you know, that word is so interesting. The idea that, you know, hope is so important was something that I learned when I was first starting my residency in psychiatry, so there we were, we were brand new medical students who just, you know, one day we're a medical student, the next we're a resident. And in psychiatry, we were given patients to evaluate, you know, we don't know what we're doing more than we did two days ago. Um, and we would, you know, take a history and listen compassionately and so on and so forth. And, you know, at the end, we were trying to, you know, make a diagnosis and then treatment plans and whatnot. But oftentimes patients just, you know, spending a little time with us, you know, at the end, they'd be like, I feel so much better. And we'd go back to the supervisors and say, like, we didn't do anything. Like, they feel so much better. And they said, you know, never underestimate the healing power of hope. And hope is interesting because hope implies the possibility of the, the opposite thing, right? So if it's a sure thing, you wouldn't have hope, you would be like, you know, sure, hope implies that something may not work out. But at least you're focusing on something can change, something can work out here. And, and that's the work, I think, a lot of times of just listening without judging, listening with compassion and listening without moving into problem solving with someone. Because as soon as you start problem solving too early, that advice monster, you know, as some people call it, you know, people have a, an answer for every good piece of advice that you have and they, they have a hard time feeling understood As a human, it's just incredibly hard not to want to help, right? To jump in with the advice. The hardest thing to do is to sit by the fire with someone who's going through something hard and just be there with them and just listen, you know, because then we feel horrible too. But that's oftentimes what's needed. Just that ability to to be present like your friends were like, you know, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to sit here with you and I can't fix anything, but I'm, I'm not leaving you. You know, I'm sitting by the fire.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost as though, you know, to have hope, you've got to have faith in a better future. You've got first, I guess, have the vision that there can be a better future. And then you've got to have faith that it's possible.
0: Yeah. And that's oftentimes where community and connection will will come in. So I remember in early AA meetings, you know, people would come in, you know, I would come in and there'd be, you know, people who had been there for for, you know, 20 years um, coming to meetings and, and, you know, getting their own help and helping others. And they'd say things like, you know, I remember when I first came into the rooms and, you know, now I look back and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like, but, and the newcomers would be like, what in the world are you talking about? How, How is that even possible to conceptualize that this hard time I'm going through is the best thing that ever happened to me. But, but just having that different perspective that maybe it's, possible right that that adversity really can turn around and it's certainly true right so so adversity is is part of what we as humans have evolved through the fact that you're here I'm here means that our ancestors like going back generation after generation after generation have freaking been survivors Right. They have survived and there's been heroes and saints and like, who knows what in between with all of them. But, but that's what we do. We, we survive. And, and to remember that when we're going through hard times, um, it's really hard to do by yourself. It's really hard to do by yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think perseverance is such a big part of it. So the, the third key here that, that you shared was that change is always possible. And, I actually think that entrepreneurs are in a better position to conceptualize that and take advantage of it because we're all playing our own game. We've made up the rules. And so we get to change the rules whenever we want. You know, I I went through a a challenge with the first business, so I changed the rules and started a new one, you know, and I'm playing a different game now. And because we go through that, I think we're better equipped for it than people who You know, who maybe have come through more of a traditional employment route, where everything's been sort of structured for them, and they're playing somebody else's game. But I, but having that belief that really ties into hope as well, right? If if you're going to have hope, you've got to believe change is possible.
0: Yeah, and the change can evolve if if we get out of of our own ways and and you know stay in our lane focus on what's in our area of influence instead of focusing on all the stuff that's happened, that's outside of our control, you know, that's so key. I I heard that phrase first, you know, change is possible put in that way by a woman, Becky Douglas, who runs a um, nonprofit for lepers in India. And, And her story was just remarkable. She started off as a mother of... I forget if it was six or seven children and and one of her oldest kids had committed suicide in in college um, and they were cleaning out the room and they found that she had been giving money to an orphanage in India that helped um, kids in India. And as a result of that, the, the, funds for the funeral, they said, you know, instead of flowers, send, you know, money to this orphanage and, and the orphanage got more money from this little donation than they'd ever had. So they made her a board member. <laughs> so she had to go visit and, and she took it on as a mission. She saw so many lepers uh, that that was just inconceivable. And at that point in her life, she didn't even know how to send an email. But she said, you know, I can do something. And she started just by doing something. Something, And at the end of a, a, a period of time, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, she's got schools out there. She's got, you know, schools that are desired by the other people in India. The sense, uh, and, and she's just made these transformations there. And, and she says, I would have never have imagined what we were capable of producing. And, and the one thing you've got to remember is that, you know, change is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Manuel, where can people find out more about the work you're doing? Um, so every morning I started doing this, it's going to be going on four years before I start working at seven o'clock in the morning. I jump on Facebook and I do a morning musings on my Facebook page, Manuel Astro uh, coaching is on Facebook. And it's something on leadership, success, happiness, and then also my my website is com, And right now I'm I'm working with uh, entrepreneurs who are successful and they're facing that other side of success, addiction, trauma, burnout. And I help them to get back to enjoying their entrepreneurial journey and their business uh, and, and personal lives. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom with us today. I, I, this
1: is such an important topic. I, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs that are affected by it. And uh, we don't talk about it a lot. And so I appreciate you coming and, and uh, helping us shine a light on, on these challenges. So we will link up yeah, uh, your uh, Facebook page and your website in the show notes. For anybody that wants to connect with Manuel, please do so. And uh,
0: thanks again for being here. Oh, well, Steve, my pleasure. It's always a pleasure to um, come out and have an opportunity to talk about these really important topics. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.